Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. Today, I'm not not necessarily going to give you a lot of doctrinal points. Today, I kind of want to do some parabolic teaching, you know, kind of just give you some concepts about kingdom, root them in what we've been talking about, so that when you walk out of here, you might think of it a little bit differently. You know, I don't want you to think of the kingdom as something out there, it's distant. They did that to Jesus. The Pharisees asked, where is your kingdom? What's this kingdom you're talking about? He says, well, you know, you're not going to look up there and say, "Here here it comes, it's over there, here it comes. Or it's not going to be built up from the ground externally per se like they were waiting for Jesus. You know, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come and take over the planet, to overthrow the Romans and build up an army, build up a nation. But what Jesus is saying is, no, it's it's not an external thing. The kingdom of heaven is Within. within. So that's what we're looking at. Today we're looking at the kingdom of heaven is within. So we started with... The kingdom of God is near. Jesus showed up. He was preaching. He said, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is near. And essentially what he's saying is believe the good news that the kingdom is here. It's no longer separate. And I walked through these uh, prophecies from Isaiah and Daniel's dream interpretation of King Nebuchadnezzar to show you that those prophecies all said this, and that is that rock that smashed All of the world's systems and kingdoms and governments is the kingdom of God. And once it's in the earth, it will continue to grow into this mountain that takes over the whole earth. That started when Jesus came because it's verified because Jesus is that great light that they saw in Zebulon that was tied to that once that rock gets cast, that kingdom is in the earth, a great light has shown and it will grow and take over the entire planet. Praise God. I mean, we could kind of end and go home right there. Now, I'm really not trying to make eschatological statements about that because your view of the end times is whatever it is for you. I, even if we have a few bad years ahead, I'm expecting the kingdom to grow. And it's growing through me because it is in me. Amen? So, we started with the kingdom of heaven is near. Going to... The kingdom of God is increasing. But where is it? The kingdom of God is within. So it follows the kingdom is, if it's going to increase, it's through me, right? So then we looked at wisdom and revelation. God will speak to you. He will give you wisdom, which is the practical application of knowledge, and your knowledge is in him. You know, we walked through that last week, that this knowledge that you have in him, the information that you have in him, He will give you wisdom, which is practical application of the knowledge, and revelation. So God is active. So God will speak to you. He will give you wisdom and revelation to experience his kingdom now. Amen? All right. I know I've already packed a lot in there so far, but we're getting somewhere. Because where I'm about to go, your brain might be smoking when you leave today. (laughs) The indwelling kingdom of God affects the world through you. This is, this is really where we're going today. So I, w- I want you to get a picture of that. Jesus said it's not out there where it's going to come down. It's not going to be built up. It's in you. And it affects the world through you. And it's not just, 
an idea. There's an active agent that's emanating from you, the power of love, almost the frequency coming out of you that actually affects this world. So let's talk about that. We're going to look at some kingdom parables. And in Mark 4, you know, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about the heart and the kingdom. I have a series on, on my website, and we'll make sure it gets up on the church website too, called Living from the Heart, but where I go through all these heart parables and talk about what that looks like. And it's probably, you know, I learned so much from Jim Richards and a lot that what he's written. But, you know, you could imagine his stuff as like Ph.D. level, and I'm bringing mine down to, you know, I don't know about it's quite elementary, but it's simpler, you know, where you can, you can digest it a little bit better. I love his stuff, but sometimes it's just got to be broken down. So in Mark 4, Jesus gives this parable about the kingdom. In Mark 4, it's the parable of the seed, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples after he'd given this parable about the seed, and they said, what are you talking about? He said, well, let me tell you plainly. And essentially what he says is the sower sows the word and it's in the heart that the word is sown. You, as, the, as a disciple of Christ, are to take the word of God and sow it into your heart. Hide it in your heart. Take the time to read the word. Come to church. Worship. All of that stuff that you do so that the word is in you, so that God has something to lead you with. You're not putting the word in there to get more holy, to get more righteous, to become more acceptable. And it's not even just for knowledge. You're putting it in there so it can become wisdom, so that, it, so that God can shed light and it becomes wisdom. And so that you don't just know the information, you live the information. You live as a disciple of Christ out his wisdom so that the kingdom is established in this earth, right? <clears throat> so... He goes through the four different heart conditions. So the conditions of soil are talking about the four different conditions of the heart. And he says a couple of things like, you know, don't take this revelation and stick it under the table. Hold it up. In other words, live within. He says, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand anything. And he starts off by saying it is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom. So this is a mystery here. And the mystery is the kingdom is in you. And the condition of your heart determines the degree to which it will grow out of you. Now, I don't mean what, how well you're obeying God, but how convinced are you of his identity, his character, his nature? You know, how great is your faith? And little faith is, I don't trust Jesus very much. Great faith is, Jesus, you can do anything, and you can do it through me to your glory. Amen? So it's not about how much faith that you have or you got something more than that one has. One is more convinced than the other of who he is, especially in them. That's great faith. You with me? Yes. All right. We're talking about the kingdom is in you to affect the world through you. That's where we're going, building this picture. Mark 4, 26, Jesus said, this is how it works. Remember, he's talking about the mystery of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. He's talking about the heart. He established that just before this. Night and day he sleeps. So he says, this is how it works. Night and day he sleeps and wakes. Say sleeps. sleeps. So he rests. <clears throat> sleeps and wakes, and the seed sprouts and grows, though he knows not how. You think that if you understand it, it will work for you. No. 
It's a peace thing. It's a trust thing. It's not about understanding. You gain the understanding as you rest in him. You rest in him as you rest in knowing who he is and then what he's done in and through you and made you to be. So he all by itself, the earth produces a crop. The kingdom produces on its own. Your job is to let it be in there to put it in there, to, to water the seed of the kingdom that is in there. We're going to get there. All by itself, it produces a crop. First the stalk, then the head, then the grain ripens within. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he swings a sickle because the harvest has come. All right. So I want to look at some modern-day parables, some modern-day kingdom parables. I think if Jesus were here today, he'd be talking about, like, quantum physics and jet propulsion and flight you know, it's a, great, it's a great illustration. The law of gravity affects everybody. It's here all day, every day. You can't get away from it. However, you jump on an airplane, and that airplane rises above the law of gravity because of the law of lift supersedes it as long as there's enough propulsion, right? So you understand those kinds of things. It's like, okay, I think he'd be teaching about that. I think he'd say, see that airplane up there? The kingdom is like... And by the way, he's going to give you the grace the lift to supersede death. I think that's how we teach, right? So, so I'm going to give you some things, and this is just to think about. It doesn't matter if you remember these details. You might not even like this kind of information. I love it. So here we go. You got to deal with it. Maybe a little self-indulgent, but I promise you, some of you, some of you will like this. Um, in Romans 1.20, this is kind of the idea that we're talking about, right? This is the things that we're about to look at. You can't really observe. The human eye doesn't see it like a plant growing up out of the ground. But anyway, you'll see what I'm talking about. Since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen And being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is resting within this principle when he says the kingdom of God is like this. And then he teaches. And then he says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. If your heart's hard, you're not going to receive it. You're not going to perceive it. You must be born again to perceive the kingdom. But, you know, so it's like that's why he taught in parables because of this principle. Your heart has to grasp it. You can't just get it through information. And when I say it, I mean salvation, uh, understanding that the Spirit of God lives within you, and the subsequent transformation that most Christi Christianity is focused on the end result rather than the process. Most of Christianity looks at your life and doesn't see the transformation that it thinks should be there and questions if you've even begun the process of salvation. You know, so many times I've had to counsel people through bad theology because they're questioning their salvation based on their performance. It's like you just hadn't got, you just haven't, you haven't let the word sit within you deep enough yet to produce the transformation. You know, so start with the basics. You know, anyway, let's keep going here. So this this is the context of the parables that that I want to talk about. So there's three, there's four different experiments, right? talking about kingdom parables based on this idea. Four different experiments. The first three are on DNA 
and then a fourth experiment in this quantum thing. Y'all ready? Yeah. It's one minute after 11. We got a long time. Here we go. <clears throat> Again, remember, we're talking about these things because this is a parable to help us understand, okay, kingdom is kind of like this. So this is what they've discovered. Test number one, and it's done at like MIT, uh, UC Berkeley. There's a lot of different places that have now repeated this study, these, all these studies, and they're phenomenal. You can, you can read about them online. I'll try to put a little bit more source in the blog that we send out. But the test number one is they, they took human, like saliva, and removed it and put it in a dip. Now, why in the world they would do this, I don't know, but they did. So, you know, they took it, and, and it was still alive, and they removed it, and they observed the DNA while they were also somehow observing the, the DNA that's still in the person, and they subjected the person to, like, videos and just different things to ev evoke emotion. And they were observing DNA. And as these people experienced different emotions, their DNA would change. As they were happy and, and happy, happy and happy, happy and laughing, the DNA actually would relax. Now, what we know about function and, and how your body works is that internally when your DNA relaxes and all the systems associated with that relax, you're secreting the proper hormones, you're secreting the proper electrical activity, your body's working in an optimal way when you're happy and you're laughing and you're relaxed. And they observed it. They saw that, okay, I'm gonna make you laugh and as you laugh, your DNA responds. However, the DNA that was outside of the person also responded the exact same way at the exact same time. Test number one came to this conclusion. Human emotion produces effects which defy conventional laws of physics, meaning their DNA was not touching them. It was separate from them, but it responded and reacted as they responded and reacted with no time difference. Interesting, right? That's impossible. Why? Well, there's this idea of this unified field theory that I'm not really going to go in today, but it's like everything is connected, and if it's part of you, it's still part of you. All right, so that's the first one. This is the second study that they did something similar, except they took white blood cells, observed the DNA within that. They wanted to see how far it would work, and they got up to 50 miles. I mean, how far is 50 miles? Uh, north side of Atlanta, drove this guy's blood, subjected him to the same types of things, laughed, upset, and the DNA instantly responded exactly the same as that person's did that was still in his body. Interesting, right? So the conclusion that they came to that one is the donor and the DNA can communicate be beyond space and time. Like, these are actual scientific conclusions that they came for, uh, that they concluded. All right, so the third one is, has to do with photons and DNA. All right, so they did a study where, are y'all with me? All right, because I lost myself for just a minute, but I'm back, I think. I think I'm back. <clears throat> uh, they wanted to study the effects of photons and just the created world on human DNA, you know, because they're always testing different things and seeing how the body subjects to how the body reacts, subjected to different things. So what they did on this one is 
They had a vacuum chamber of photons, which really scientists are now saying that all of the material world at some level is a frequency, a vibrating frequency. Some call it the string theory. It's progressed to like photons or light. It's almost like everything that exists is some gathering of material based in light, which you think about it, that's the very first thing God created. Or, you know, when God said, let light be, everything came out of that. <clears throat> Vacuum chamber with nothing but photons in it. They introduced human DNA. They wanted to see how the DNA re effect reacted to the photons. Well, exactly the opposite happens. They, they, they introduced the human DNA into the vacuum chamber of photons, and the, the photons responded to the presence of the DNA. That's like you walking in a room, and everything around it rearranges to, to vibrate how you are. If you, you know, it's like it rearranged based on the introduction of the human element. And it matched geometrically the frequency pattern of the human DNA. So in other words, if the emotion of the DNA changed, so did the photons. Not just the fact that the human DNA was present, but the, what, the, what the person was experiencing affected it differently. Now, you can take this into a, into a really selfish level. I mean, have you have heard, heard about the law of attraction? You know, people are sitting around and trying to attract Lamborghinis to themselves and stuff like that. <laughs> Whatever, you know, I mean, we're trying to be mature about this. These are legitimate studies. This is not some new age thing. These are scientific people that did these studies and came to these conclusions and understand and observe. Humans affect the physical world around them. Amen. Now, the application is where you can get a little, a little nutty. I want to apply a kingdom application to the scientific research that they found out that humans' living DNA changes the world around them. I mean, just think about that for a minute, all right? So now here's another study. This is the last one. This is called the double slit experiment. Got the T's in there so it doesn't sound funny. The double slit experiment. How many of you have heard of the double slit experiment? I've talked about it before. I've got a series actually called the Quantum Kingdom that I go into this stuff even in more detail. This, this is the study that, that uh, you know, that Einstein and people like that didn't like. He called this a spooky uh, phenomenon, something like that. In essence, here's the experiment. You interested in this? Yes. Okay, good. Here, here's the, I think the last time I taught on this, we actually had two doors in the back of the wall, and I had it for a real good example. But so, so imagine these two doors, right? All right. So the double slit experiment observed particles on a subatomic or quantum level. And what they did was they wanted to see the randomness of how a particle would react uh, based on this particular test they were doing. In essence, what they did was they set up, so imagine, you know, imagine two doors side by side, we'll just use these two doors here, and if I were to shoot a BB gun, and we'll call the BB the particle, and I were to shoot a BB gun this way, if the doors were close enough where the BB randomly went through one door or the other, on the back wall, you would get a pattern and it would be two stripes, right? Because it's particles, single solid BBs, just hitting that back wall. You'd get two areas, two defined areas of BBs, right? Are you with me? Now, if we emitted light or 
a water, call it water because we understand wave, but you admitted light, you get these waves. And if you've ever seen how waves ripple and when they come across each other, they kind of cancel out and, and that, they, that you get on the back wall as these waves are hitting and canceling each other, you get what's called an interference pattern. So one wave might go through one door, one wave goes through the other door, other door, and they get in the back there and they cancel out each other. And then what you get is you get multiple stripes on the wall, mostly intense in the middle, fanning out less intense on the side because a wave is going through it rather than a particle. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, can you see it? You see the stripes back there? So what they did then was they wanted to study why it was doing that they started shooting particles. This is the spooky part. I'm trust you don't want to miss this part. They started shooting particles as if, so imagine BBs, stepped away, came back, and look, came back and looked at the results, and what they had was an interference pattern on the back as if they had been shooting waves back there. That means that the BB actually became a wave, went through both doors, made a pattern on the back as if it were a wave. So it's like the BB became something that was not as solid as it was when it was shot out. It became something else, went through, and formed itself. Now they're like, wait a minute. Why is there a wave pattern when we have particles that we're shooting? And so they, they put a thing on there to watch what was happening. Guess what happened? When humans observed it, it behaved like a particle. So in other words, it went back to a BB. That particle changed its form based on whether or not the humans were observing it or not. I, I'm telling you, your brain's going to be smoking, right? Now, I don't understand that. It's a, it's a verified, it's verified scientific research. Go look it up. The double slit experiment. It's real. Everybody in, in physics acknowledges it. In fact, it's changing all of physics in general. There's a documentary on Netflix uh, called Particle Fever that's all about the Hadron Collider. And that basically, phys physicists are realizing now that the standard model of what they think everything is created of doesn't work because of things like this. You know, How in the world can a BB act like a wave and then act like a BB again just because humans observe it? All right, so that's the study. Now what's the application? Now, you can get a little goofy with your application, but here's the, what we boil it all down to. The world responds to the presence of you. All of that builds one simple picture. Humans affect the world around them. Now, you couple that with this idea. Let me see where we are. You couple that with this idea of the kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in you to grow out of you. And I wrote this as if it were kind of this scientific conclusion that we boil these studies down to kingdom thought. You ready? If the created world responds to your emotions and beliefs because what that person believed affected their emotions, and if, so you've got that, that's true. If the kingdom of God is within you, is the kingdom of God in you? Yes. And if the kingdom of God is increasing through you, because that's prophetically what it says is happening. You can collaborate with God to emit His kingdom into your life and the world around you. 
The kingdom will bear fruit after itself. Amen. You don't have to tell it what to do. Trust God's will to manifest through you and change the world as you yield to His Spirit within you. That's like what we're boiling all this down to. So, in a second, I'm going to walk you through this, but we're going to talk about personalizing Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. I wrote this thing last week. I've been doing it myself for a while. I just put it in a form where I could share it. But here's the idea, right? God sent Jesus into this earth to save you, to bring a family back to himself, to make a way that people could escape sin and death, to make a way to transcend the brokenness that Adam introduced into the earth so that God could have a family back. He is the father of the prodigal that welcomes his son back into the family and gives him everything that he has even though he wasted everything he'd given him before. You know, he is the Savior. He is the one that wants you to be with him. And he's given you this new heart that is full of his wisdom. It is encoded with his law or his instruction. And I promise you, the law that's encoded in there is not take two doves down to the priest and have him cut its head off and rip the organs out and burn it so that you're forgiven. Are you with me? Because people will say all 600, the law, you can't get rid of the law. It's like, well, what law is written on your heart? What, what, do, you, what do you think, what law is it now under this new covenant and this new heart is God leading you from? It's not about external obedience and rule keeping. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Because, you know, under which there is no condemnation. Amen? You've got the kingdom of God within you. Jesus said it. Quit looking for it to show up out here. Quit waiting for God to build it up into your life. It's in you. All right? And you see this modern-day parable thing. What's in you affects the world around you. Imagine that. Imagine you've got the kingdom in you. And it's instructions. Like, like, like the instruction manual to tell this world how to operate. The law, I mean, life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? right? And so then this heart is the mechanism that you must tend. Tend the garden of your heart because it will determine the degree to which the kingdom affects the world around you and through you. See, what we do is we sit and we're like telling God all these things that we need to do and it's not looking like what we want and we're subjected to the circumstances of this world and our bodies and we then believe what we feel and see. Can you meditate on the promises of God to the point that it feels more real to you if it is something that is legitimately yours in Christ, it, you believe that more than what you see? Not moved by what we see. The things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. I'm putting a lot in there just so that when you walk out, you're thinking, okay, kingdom is in me. And it's like, like, like my mood and my attitude matters. And, and, it, and it's not just human to human. I, I'm not going to try to say that you're going to restore the world and everything's going to be made perfect and you don't need Jesus to return. I'm not trying to build that type of eschatological model, like kingdom now, we're going to reveal. I'm not really getting there. I'm just saying 
your world responds to you. You ever meet people and they date the same person over and over and over even though that person is horrible for them? I don't mean the same person. I mean the same kind of person. They find themselves in the same job over and over and over and over and over. What they believe about themselves rearranges the world and they are attracted into the situation that matches their self-image. You, know, you, have a, you, you have to rebuild this internal image of yourself based on the kingdom within and it will affect the world around. It will limit and open doors for you. It will lead you to jobs that you never could even imagine because God wants you to be you know, abundantly provided for so you can be a blessing. Amen? We're waiting for God to show up and make the world respond to Him, and He's placed His kingdom within you to make the world respond to you. Sometimes it responds to you just because you change your attitude or you make a decision based on His uh, leading within you. He might inspire you to make a different decision, and that sets you on an entirely different course of life. But you can't make that decision until you know who you are in Him and you believe that that's a possible future for you. All things are possible for those who believe. There's so much I could go into, and I may go ahead and go into some heart stuff and the, the meditative aspect, but here's where I want to end it today, and that, that's on this idea that just, you know, it's such a vast thing to comprehend and grasp, but it's pretty easy. Oh, there's a, I'm going to use your illustration. Sebastian over here. Wave Sebastian. Sebastian, and I'm probably going to not get all these things right, but he can tell you all about it, and it's great. Pray for Sebastian. Pray for Sebastian and Natasha. They're awesome, by the way. There's nothing wrong. I'm just saying, you know, it's like, isn't it weird when we say pray for somebody? It's like, what's wrong? <laughs> He's has, he has incredible opportunity in, ahead of him, and that's, that's why I say pray for him. So he, heard of a, he was working for World Vision, mission organization, heard of a guy in Australia that was trying to... Uh, help them in their uh, environmental issues and by planting trees, nothing would grow. Three years later, this guy's frustrated. He's ready to get out of Australia. He leans down to deflate the tires, get out of the sand because the sand, you know, drive better. He sees this thing. He says, I think that's a tree. And he prunes it. Six months later, it's a mature tree. Am I close enough? All right. So a tree doesn't grow in six months. Why did it grow? They found out that in this area, and now they're seeing, and this is his, he started a nonprofit that is going around and helping large nonprofits all over the planet reforest where there has been deforestation. Communism came into Africa, wiped, you know, forced the people to just completely exhaust their resources because that's just, you know, communism takes and consumes rather than thrives according to God's model. <sighs> We're going to get there. Pray for me. Here's the point. Why did the tree come and become a mature tree in six months? Because it already had a very deep root system, and all they did was actually prune the top of what was a stunted tree, and the, because that root system was already so vast, it became a tree. That's the picture. Man. I'm telling you, that's got kingdom all over it. The kingdom of God is a root system, deep within you. It has everything in there that you need to experience life and godliness. All things pertaining to life and godliness have already been given to you. All of his promises are yes and amen in him. 
There's a root system within you that will grow into your life everything you will ever need. Righteousness, peace, joy, wisdom, patience, long-suffering, all of the stuff that you think that you got to obey externally to please God is in you, and it will grow out of you, and you will eat the fruit of it. Do you want to eat the fruit of patience, provision? You know, what you're eating the fruit of is his character. His character grows within you. So how does it work? Mind renewal. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. You acknowledge this internal kingdom that has everything. I mean, think about that. When you pray, you don't need God to show up and do anything. What you need is to be able to follow him, whether it be food choices, whether it be mate choices, job choices, behavioral choices, attitude adjustments, whatever it is. God is that in you already, and if you tend the garden of your heart, you place your trust in Him, you take the limits off, it will grow into your life. How does it happen? It's like the farmer that casts seed into the ground. He sleeps, he wakes up. He doesn't know how, but it bears fruit after its own kind. You don't have to know how. Because I know what you're doing. You're sitting here, okay, there's light in my DNA. Should I swab my DNA on the wall and then pray? And it'll... But, that, but then that, you know, there's something too. You know, Paul would pray over those scarves and send them out and they would. You leave little bits of you everywhere you go. Be careful who you let leave bits in your life. We're going to end on this, and this is a walkthrough of Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, because, because I want it to be a process for us. I want it to be something that we can actually live within, you know? I don't want to just have some cool information in our minds and it not be applicable for us. See, what's interesting is, is that we read Scripture and we, we understand it doctrinally and we get the information, but we don't know how to live within it. We don't know how to live within the active spiritual life that grows and affects this world. God is a spirit. He's active and alive through you to bring glory to himself. Amen? Amen? So, and again, I'm going to encourage you to use this prayer. I put steps on my, my last blog. It's basically just walking through this process, kind of let this fill your mind and your heart. You're yielding to him. And, but you're noticing and you're paying attention to what rises up after this process. Because I promise you, just like Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit within you will lead you and guide you to all truth. Amen. He will remind you of what the Father has said. He will show you things to come. Yes. Amen? Amen? And it's not weird or charismatic that died off 2,000 years ago. It is the function of the living Spirit of God within you. Now, do you want to be yielded to that? Do you want to let him grow through you and affect the world around you? This is one way. You know, I'm not trying to say this is the only way. This works for me. All right, you ready? 
This is basically Ephesians, Paul's prayer, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, personalized, put into a word that you can pray for yourself and trust. As you do this, remember, the kingdom of God is like a man cast seed in the ground. He goes to sleep, wakes up, don't know how it happened. It produces fruit after its own kind. As you are doing this, trust the spirit of God is in you, flowing through you, growing out of you. You don't have to control the process. If you let it, it will shape. You know, here's the thing. If you're struggling with a particular behavior or an emotion, you let yourself be influenced by the Spirit of God, you got a choice. God is not going to make you quit doing that thing or watching that stuff or reacting that way. What He's going to do is He's going to present the fruit. It's up to you if you eat it or not. In other words, as the inspiration rises up, are you going to act on it? Grace always comes before the opportunity for sin. Grace is the power to say no to death and to sin. What you need is grace before you choose to doubt or be in fear or motor into that activity. Where sin abounds, grace much more. All right, here's, here we go. <clears throat> You know, I, kind of, I started to want to do this all together, but, I, you know, as you read this, just read it for yourself. I will read it, but look at it and, and think about that you're taking yourself through this process, and I want you to do this process for yourself. So, I bow my heart to you, Father. And again, this is just the, the prayer that Paul prayed, personalized. So as if you're praying instead of him praying it for you. I bow my heart to you, Father. Can you see that? I bow my heart to you. The God of all mankind and all of creation. So you're acknowledging him. You're my Lord. You're my God. You might even add to this, you know. You're my Lord, my God, my Father, my friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. In this moment, right now, you are strengthening me and my inner man out of your very own glorious riches and glorious and unlimited riches. This is just scripture. You are supplying grace deep within my heart directly from your spirit. You see, you get a picture of that? Grace is flowing from his spirit to your heart for you to choose. You choose life. Choose to not react in anger. Choose to not look at that. Choose to not respond with this emotion. You have a choice. Grace is available. Choose it. That is discipleship. That is how transformation comes. It's immature to have grace in your face and continue on in that, in that destructive sin. And to just to say, well, it's just part of my nature. He'll, think, he'll change me if he wants to. Baloney. As your spirit strengthens me and influences me with your grace, I make room in my heart for Christ. I do not limit the degree of influence Christ has within me. By your spirit, Christ dwells within me. His power is in me. His righteousness is in me. I am alive because he lives through me. All of this is true because you love me, Father. My response is to love you back. I can feel your love. I can feel love for you rising up in my heart as a fruit of the love you have planted in me through Christ. And just stop taking. Take a deep breath. 
This is how you meditate and pray. You, you do it scripturally. You look at what, who he is in you. You acknowledge him. All of this is true because you love me, Father. My response back is love back to you. I am one with you. My heart draws on your love for me. I understand and experience the love you have for me. It is planted in me and extends in every direction from me to know and experience how great and how deep, you know, the breadth, the width, the depth, and the height of his love is in you for you to experience. And as you walk in love, you fulfill the commandments of God. I understand and experience the love you have for me. It is planted in me. Now, see, here's the problem. People read Scripture, and they don't look at it as if it's alive. People will quote, the Word of God is alive, powerful, sharpening. It's alive. It's feeding you. It's doing things to you. It's inside of you, moving, transforming. Can you yield to it and let it do things within you? Well, that charismatic mumbo-jumbo. Well, you know what? You just keep on struggling then. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm talking to people. I can hear it. I, maybe even people on camera. Anyway, we'll just keep moving. People say, I want to see the Spirit of God. I want to see prophecy. I want to see. You just saw it. Trust me. You just saw it. I'm not going <gasps> to, let's say the Lord. <laughs> but I promise you, the Lord just spoke. I understand and experience the love you have for me. It is planted in me and extends in every direction from me, making me whole. As I experience your love for me, my emotions are healed. My physical body is made whole. My mind is renewed to my identity in you. This love never ends. You never stop pouring your love and grace through me. This love is better than information that I could understand about you. I am at peace. You are at peace with me. And we're just still this prayer. I'm telling you, read this and look at it next to Ephesians 3. I am filled with your fullness. What does that even mean? Because the scripture says that, but what does it mean to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God? Is it just words? Or is there a living, breathing, active, transformative element to that that you can yield to and interact with, all right? Am I, filled, or I am filled with your fullness. I am filled with your spirit. I am filled with your love for me and for others. I am complete in you. You desire good things for me far beyond anything I can ask or imagine. I yield to your influence within me. Shape me, mold me into your image, Jesus. I trust you. Just say, I trust you, Lord. By your power that works in me, I am seeing your will accomplished in my life. I trust that what you would want for me and want to do through me is satisfying and rewarding. You know, you start to let go of your own will and you desire what he wants for you. How does that happen? You have to respond to something that he's doing within you. You can't just will it up. You've tried. Doesn't work, does it? I love your will for me. I get out of the way to allow you to live through me. Amen. To you be all the glory in this temple that you are building for your glory. Amen.
I, and I realize I've gone through a ton of stuff, but it's all to just build this picture that the Spirit of God is within you, the kingdom is within you. And even Jesus himself, when they challenged him, said, don't be looking for it out here, it's in you. And it's increasing through you. And even the, even the scientific world is discovering that mankind has dominion over this planet. Amen. It is up to you to yield and be shaped and molded and follow him. Amen? Amen. It's how transformation happens. It's not just going to magically make things happen. You yield to him, and as you transform, you will transform. Wow, that was pretty good one. <laughs> Half the room didn't fall over. What's happening over there? So as you do this process, this is the last one, write down any scriptures, insights, or steps that come to mind and do it. This is the part that, this is the discipleship part. So when you do this process, don't just walk away and keep thinking the same way. When you walk away from a prayer like this, expect change first within you, and then as you behave and respond differently, you will see changes built up in your life. As you, as you, so write down any insights. You know what? I should try this with my job. Maybe I should rearrange this. Maybe I should do this, you know? There's a guy, the bow guy, right? We've all heard the story, the two-cam system on the bows. Had a dream of a one-cam bow, you know, bow and arrow, and it just came from God. Another guy had a dream, and these, these, this string of let, uh, uh, this guy's a chemist. I forget. I'm butchering it. This guy's a chemist. His wife has a dream, a string of letters, which, are, which is a chemical compound that the husband then took and put into practice. God will give you things, not just detached from you as if it shows up and it's not part of you, but I'm telling you, I want you to follow God in a way where it just naturally births out of you, where people look at your life and they're like, do you struggle with anything? Why are you so happy all the time? Hey, man, I'm telling you, I'm nurturing the kingdom within me, and I, I know how to eat the fruit of patience. I know how to eat the fruit of peace that rises up within me because his spirit is giving life to me. Yes. And it's real. Yes, amen. Not just a scripture. Yes, something that I engage with. His kingdom is alive. And as I perceive it in my heart, I can live within it. Yes. Now stuff happens. It doesn't mean that every, life's just going to be perfect and rosy. But I mean, you know, it's a heck of a lot better than some of the stuff that we have been experiencing. Can we go for another hour? I love, I'm going to tell you, I love this. This is life. And if you get these concepts and if you grasp the idea of digging into this intimacy with God and, and letting the kingdom bear fruit within you, it is how transformation happens. And it will lead you into such a way where everything you want to see happen in your life and change in your life comes through this mind renewal unto transformation process rather than waiting for God to show up and do something for you or change you. You've prayed, doesn't work that way, does it? Engage because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Woo, we made it. <laughs> you know, I will ask you because I wholeheartedly believe in this message. I believe in the vision and the mission of this church. I, be I believe in it to the degree that I ask you to give. I mean, I do support it regularly. I don't mean just this one time. If you got a million bucks laying around, write the check. We got stuff to do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 
I believe in it. We got plans. Amen. I want you to help because this is our body. If you believe in this, let's do it. It's not about the money. We just this building ain't working for us anymore. There's stuff happening online. Oh man, I'm telling you, so many things. Anyway, the people online deserve better as well. We need to we need to update the media stuff. We need to be doing a better job at those kinds of things. There are people all over the planet that watch this little church as their church, and we are getting to disciple them. I want to increase all of that. Amen? So let's do it. Let's do it together. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to just be your child. We acknowledge that first and foremost. You are our Lord and our Savior. And if you're in this place, you know, you're not sure that God loves you. You're not sure that you have his spirit within you. You know, it, it can be a process. It can be a moment, just a decision that you make. If you're willing to make Jesus your Lord for the first time, just acknowledge it in your heart. Jesus, I trust you. I don't understand everything, but I believe that what you did is for me, and I'm willing to follow you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.